guys, Derek here from Bomb Socks, and welcome to the Bomb Bites podcast. Hey, if you're new to Bomb Bites, it's a service from our company, Bomb Socks, to help be a resource to use. You're studying along with the Come Follow Me curriculum for the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints. Hope you enjoy today's episode. So we're going to finish up the book of Jonah today with the last couple chapters. And I would submit to you, Jonah might be one of the best missionaries that this world has ever seen, at least from what the scriptures are telling us. Because you get back into chapter 3 after he had that crazy, horrible experience of being in the belly of a large fish for three days. He goes through that repentance and that change. You go to chapter 3, verse 1, and the word of the Lord came unto Jonah the second time, which I love that. It's like, here's God giving him a second chance. Arise, go unto Nineveh, that great city, preach unto it the preaching that I bid thee. So Jonah arose, went unto Nineveh, according to the word of the Lord. Nineveh was an exceeding great city of three days journey. It took a long time. Nineveh was huge. Jonah began to enter the city a day's journey. He cried and said, Yet forty days, and Nineveh shall be overthrown. Might be the shortest missionary message ever. And verse 5, So the people of Nineveh believed God, and proclaimed a fast, put on sackcloth from the greatest of them, even to the least of them. You go to verse number 6, The king of Nineveh arose from his throne, laid his robe from him, covered him with sackcloth, sat in ashes, tells everybody, It is time to repent. Nice job, Jonah. I mean, he goes in there, it's like, Hey, forty days, y'all are going to be destroyed. And the king's like, Okay. Let's do this. That was amazing. Either Nineveh's hearts were extremely ready for the word of the Lord, or Jonah was just an awesome missionary. I don't know. It's just interesting to look at it that way. Which there's a cool little thought here when you go down to verse number nine that says, Who can tell if God will turn and repent? Or the footnote says, that we will repent and turn unto the Lord. He'll turn away from us his fierce anger. You know, there's a cool quote. I think sometimes we as, as members of the church, we have it in our minds the people who are going to change and who won't change. Uh, Dallin H. Oak said this quote. This is in the Come Follow Me for this week. It says, We should never set ourselves up as judges of who is ready and who is not. The Lord knows the hearts of all of his children. And if we will pray for inspiration, he will help us find persons he knows to be in preparation to hear the word, which I think is so awesome. So in the first chapter, Jonah was like, these people aren't going to listen, so I'm out of here. And what does he do? He changes and he comes back in and he gives them a message because the Lord's like, I want you to go to Nineveh. He goes there because the Lord had prepared their hearts and all of a sudden they change, which is interesting because you would think that would be awesome. You're writing home to your parents saying, dear mom, an entire city changed. I, I was able to help with that. Now you get into chapter 4 of Jonah, verse 1. But it displeased Jonah exceedingly, and he was very angry. So maybe Jonah's motivation was not the greatest here. He goes in there, it's like, y'all are going to be destroyed, and I want to watch it happen, right? Verse 2, he prayed unto the Lord and said, I pray thee, O Lord, was not this my saying when I was yet in my country? Therefore, I fled unto Tarshish. I knew that thou art a gracious God and merciful, slow to anger and of great kindness, and repentest thee of the evil. Or as the footnote says, Jonah knew that God could revoke the calamity decreed, but expected he would do so even without the repentance of the people. He's like, look, you're going to destroy these people. I just want to watch it happen. And verse 3, you get Jonah starting to have this little kind of a pity party. Oh Lord, take I beseech thee my life from me, for it is better for me to die than to live. And the Lord gives one of the coolest questions in verse number four. Then said the Lord, doest thou well to be angry? Now that is a great statement for you and I. It's like this anger thing, is it working? Now anger in and of itself is, it's just an emotion. If you have angry thoughts come in, you've done nothing wrong. That's just an emotion. However, what you tend to do with it 
that's when all of a sudden you start seeing some problems with it. There's numerous examples all through the scriptures in our personal lives where you see when someone takes that anger, that emotion that comes to them, and then they start running with it. One of the examples I can think of right off the top of my head, and, and don't get me wrong, this guy is a hero. His name is Tiankum. We just did a sock with Tiankum on it. Like, Tiankum's a hero of mine. Um, he single-handedly, he's taken down the Lamanites. And, and it's interesting how he's doing that. He's just, he's like the special forces of the Book of Mormon. Um, he goes in and he puts a javelin right through Amalekiah's heart and stops it right there. But then Amalekiah's brother Amaron comes in and all of a sudden he's even worse right there. There's a good cross-reference that I've put right by this verse where it says, Doest thou well to be angry? And it takes you over to Alma 62 where Tiancum goes in and he goes after Amaron. It came to pass that Tiancum in his anger did go forth into the camp of the Lamanites, did let himself down over the walls of the city. He went forth with a cord from place to place, insomuch that he did find the king and cast a javelin at him, which did pierce him near the heart. Now for Amalekiah previously, he got him right in the heart. The guy didn't even make a sound. But behold, the king did awaken his servants before he died, insomuch that they did pursue Tiancum and slew him. So Tiancum sadly loses his life, but I think that is often because you go in with your anger, you get a little bit sloppy with stuff. Again, not trying to drag Tiankum at all. He's a human, I'm a human. We all struggle with that, but that anger, when we act on it, it doesn't do us very well. And so that's that Lord's question back to Jonah. It's like, Jonah, is this anger helping you? Doest thou well to be angry? So then Jonah goes in and has this little pity party here. I'm just picturing him sitting on top of this area where he's looking out at the city of Nineveh going, when is God gonna destroy these people. So he still thinks the Lord's going to destroy the city. And as he's sitting there, this gourd is what it says. It's actually a castor bean plant is what it says in the footnotes, which is interesting because I looked up the castor bean plant. Apparently it is a very toxic and a very poisonous type of thing. So here's this plant overshadowing Jonah here. I was reading about this in a Christian blog and I thought this was an interesting perspective. It says the image of Jonah, proud, bitter, and resentful, delighting in the shade of a highly poisonous plant is an ideal metaphor for a person nursing his grievances and brooding over his own venomous thoughts. And that's interesting when you think about that. Well, what happens is this gourd now dies and that shade is gone. And Jonah's like, what the heck? This is so not cool. I want to die. And you go down to verse number nine. God said unto Jonah, doest thou well to be angry for the gourd? And he said, I do well to be angry even unto death. I'm gonna, I'm gonna stay here and do this right here. And the Lord said, thou hast had pity on the gourd for the which thou hast not labored, neither madest it grow, which came up at night and perished in a night. Should I not spare Nineveh, that great city wherein more than six score thousand persons that cannot discern between their right hand and their left hand and also much cattle? Meaning you got 120,000 of my children here that don't know right from wrong. They are still worth giving a message to. In fact, you click on the word persons in verse 11 and it gives you the reference to the worth of souls. Everybody has an opportunity to hear the gospel of Jesus Christ. Take the opportunity to share that with them. And again, sometimes we'll think this person is not ready to hear the gospel. Yeah, you let God do the heavy lifting on that one. Let him figure out who it is. You and I go in and we share a message and then let the Lord do some things that he does so well. So Anyway, this story of Jonah is a great story in the sense that it teaches us that there's everybody out there needs to hear the word of the Lord. 
Anger is not a great motivator for us when we're trying to figure out how to do things in our lives and trusting that the Lord knows the worth of all of the souls of his children and that gospel of Jesus Christ is ready and available and needs to be shared with everybody. I love the story of Jonah and and it's interesting because with Jonah, everything seems to turn out okay for everybody except for Jonah. We're kind of left with this dot, dot, dot. We don't know what happens with Jonah, but I can testify to you again as you repent and you and I change, the Lord's going to bless our lives with that goodness and that compassion, which actually leads us to the next couple days in the book of Micah. If you'd like to check out our video that goes with today's podcast, you can find us on YouTube, Instagram, and Facebook by simply searching Bomb Socks. That's B-O-M-S-O-C-K-S. And be sure to check out our amazingly comfortable gospel-themed socks at bombsocks.com. Thanks for listening, and hope you'll join us again for more episodes of Bomb Bites. Godspeed, and have a great day.